Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hello, podcast listeners. Welcome to today's podcast. I have to say, it's been fun doing this continually, and I continue to hope you guys to enjoy these podcasts that we continue to make here. That being said, markets are down as of right now, the recording of this podcast. But today's articles we're going to be talking about is, we're first going to be talking about SimCorp to invest in uh, to invest $916 million to make an EV battery plant um, or components in Ohio. Uh, we're going to talk about the jobless claims and how they're on the rise currently. We're going to talk about Boeing moving its headquarters from Chicago to Virginia and how this makes Boeing a more interesting potential investment going forward. And finally, we're going to end today talking about how the U.S. Senate is trying to pass an antitrust bill to pressuring OPEC, along with other oil news that I think some of you would find interesting. That being said, though, before, like we always start with this podcast, I am not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I speak about on this podcast is for your entertainment purposes only. Please talk to your own financial advisor if you wish to make any investment decisions, as they know your financial situations better than I do. With that, let's begin today's podcast. SEMCORP to invest $916 million to make EV battery components in Ohio. SEMCORP, a Shanghai-based producer of electric vehicle battery components, plans to invest $916 million in a manufacturing plant in Sydney, Ohio, the company said Thursday. The facility will make a separator film for lithium-ion batteries. SEMCORP, the trader name of Yunnan Energy New Material Company, said that it's the world's largest maker of separator film, a key component in batteries. The company said the Ohio plant will employ nearly 1,200. It did not provide a timeline for construction or production. It's ironic that this is now being announced about now, I think three or four days after President Biden had announced that he's going to pass a bill, which was no, $3 billion worth for manufacturers to continue to make lithium batteries within the United States, or in this case, EV batteries. That being said, it's just... There's no time frame currently for this, something to keep an eye out for. But at the same token, it's it's going to be interesting. Ohio is part of the Rust Belt. And so the fact that, that they're building it near a lot of the car manufacturers is a smart move on their part because it's near Detroit and all those areas. And it'll be easier to ship components instead of having to ship them all the way from China. So at the end of the day, this seems like a decent move for SimCorp in the making. But keep an eye out for this because they'll probably be announcing soon when they will actually build uh, or start construction on building for this project. Next article we got to get into. U.S. weekly jobless claims rise. Productivity plunges at the fastest pace in 74 years. New claims for U.S. unemployment benefits increased to a more than two-month high last week, but remained at a level consistent with tightening labor market conditions and further wage gains that could keep inflation hot for a while. The report from the Labor Department on Thursday also showed the number of Americans collecting state unemployment checks was the smallest in more than 52 years towards the end of April. Economics brushed off last week's increase in initial claims, arguing that the data are volatile, um, 
around moving holidays like Easter, Passover, and school spring breaks. The latest level of an initial claims filings is pretty low by broad historic standards and, continu and continuing claims filing kept trending lower uh, through today's report. So overall, we believe that the labor market remains strong, said Daniel Silver and economics at JP Morgan in New York. Initial claims for state unemployment benefits rose 19,000 to a seasonal adjustment of 200,000 for the week ended April 30th, the highest since mid-February. Economists polled by Reuters had forecast 182,000 applications for the latest week. Claims at 200,000 are viewed as, as consistent as strong demand for workers. They have declined from a record high at 6.137 million in early April 2020. The number of people receiving benefits after initial week of a drop 19,000 to 1.384 million during the week ending April 23rd. That was the lowest level for the so-called continuing claims since January of 1970. <clears throat> I have a hard time believing this at times. I mean, I sometimes think that sometimes people don't file for unemployment when they are laid off. I mean, I, I had mentioned this earlier. I think the U.S. currently is in some type of recession, not like a super heavy one, but we're kind of in some type of recession currently, it feels like, because the markets don't are not pretty happy right now with how things are going. I mean, you've had companies report earnings, and yet the market still keeps going down. Obviously, it's a supply and demand issue. While at the same time, it's just people's gauge of how they feel about the market. At the same token, if we weren't in some type of recession currently right now, or at least going into one, then why is it that we see that gold's being bought up? I mean, we talked about this in an earlier podcast about how there was about, I think, 15 million or maybe it was 15 billion dollars worth of gold that was bought from Switzerland in March. So it makes me wonder if these reports are really accurate currently right now. The article goes on to say government data this week showed that there were a record 11.5 million job openings for the last day of March, which widened the jobs workers gap record at 3.4% of labor force from 3.1% February. The labor market imbalance is forcing employees to increase wages, contributing to soaring inflation. Companies have to make a decision. They have to make a decision on if they want to be able to get talent they have to be willing sometimes to pay more. Now, granted, it's also based off the what the, I guess the employer is looking, I mean, the employee is looking for. Maybe the employee is not looking to make a whole lot because they have other opportunities, but you never know. At the end of the day, I think I had read somewhere too that there was only like 6 million people looking for jobs currently and with 11.5 million job openings. This could be good or bad depending on how you look at it at the end of the day. I personally think it's going to cause more innovation to happen. I mean, we did talk about this in the, our very first podcast about how robots were going into the pharmacy industry. Maybe this is also a way for new technologies to come into companies so that they can be able to fill in those gaps that there will be missing potentially. Who knows? Something still to keep an eye out for, but I also don't fully believe the the statistics that they give us because it just doesn't seem that the numbers are that accurate. So, but that's just my opinion. So on to the next article, article Boeing to move headquarters from Chicago to Virginia. This is kind of big news and I'm surprised this isn't being talked about a little bit more. Boeing company said on Thursday, it, it will move its headquarters from Chicago to Arlington, Virginia, as the crisis plagued U.S. plane maker works to repair relations with customers, federal regulators and lawmakers. 
Boeing also planned to develop a research and technology hub in Arlington area, home to the Pentagon from across the Potomac River from the U.S. Capitol. Senator Mark Warner of Virginia told Rutgers in an interview, the headquarters move is great for bragging rights. What may be a long-term bigger boost to Virginia may be the research and development center. Last October, Reuters reported that the source close to the company said cost cuts and more hands-on corporate corporate culture had raised questions about Boeing's future in Chicago. And in turn, broad direction Boeing intends to take as it tries to regain its stride. The region makes strategic sense for a global headquarters given its proximity to its customers and stakeholders and its access to world-class engineering and technical talent, Boeing President of Chief Executive Officer Dave Calhoun said. Boeing said it will maintain a significant presence as its Chicago's location and surrounding region. Mayor Lori Lightfoot said Chicago has a robust pipeline of major corporate uh, relocations and expansions, and we expect more announcements in the coming months. Boeing has been working to repair its relationship with the U.S. Federal Aviation Administration, or the FAA, and lawmakers prior to the CEO, Dennis Mullenberg was fired in 2019 after clashing with the FAA over its review of the 737 MAX following two fatal crashes that killed 346 people. It's also note should be noted in this article that Boeing, a key supplier for the U.S. Defense Department last week, unveiled more than $1 billion in charges on its Air Force One and T-7A Red Hawk trainer jet programs. I didn't know about the 7A Red Hawk trainer jet programs, but I did know about the Air Force One because we did talk about it. I still believe that Boeing is, or at least the CEO is making excuses a little bit for the company, but I'm also not a Boeing employee, so I can't make that say at the end of the day. I will say though, that the move to Arlington is potentially a smart move. And this is why, if you look into the history of Boeing, they originally bought out Douglas, I think it was, and Boeing was located in Seattle, Washington. That's where their headquarters were originally. About 20 years ago, I believe it was. As of recent, if I remember reading in certain articles, it says that, uh, actually it's in this article too. It says Chicago, Cook County and Illinois awarded Boeing um, more than 60 million in tax and other incentive over 20 years to relocate. This was back when they had merged with uh, Douglas. Those credits have expired, though Boeing was set to receive a 2021 fund this year. I've lived in Chicago for a bit, and Chicago is a very expensive city to live in. No joke, okay? This move to go to Arlington, though, was, is, in, in my eyes, a very smart move because when they merged with their rival Douglas, Douglas was in St. Louis. And so when they moved it, they decided to move it to Chicago, which was a central hub for Boeing at the time, and Chicago was the best idea. I mean, if you actually look at a map of where Boeing is located across the United States, especially in the Midwest, there's a lot of plants of uh, Boeing plants like in St. Louis, parts of Illinois. Um, and then granted, this is from when I worked for another company at the time and I was uh, doing cold calls for the company of being able to find these partnerships with the company that I was working with. But needless to say, this move to Arlington, in my opinion, is probably a really smart move on Boeing on their end. And the reason being is you're going to be closer to the FAA at the end of the day, like we had just mentioned. But at the same time, a lot of manufacturers are back on the East Coast. In fact, one of Boeing's, if I'm not mistaken, and they mentioned this article, one of Boeing's locations where they build some of their stuff, I believe, is in Charlotte, North Carolina, I believe. 
And so it's easier probably to travel. Now, at the same time, moving to Virginia could also mean more tax cuts. And we've talked about this with Disney recently, where Disney's losing their status due to political issues, but it's still an interesting move. Now, how much Boeing is going to get? Who knows? Do I expect the area of Virginia to be growing potentially now? Yeah, because Boeing's moving their headquarters. And at the same time, you're going to probably get more talent now um, going to Virginia. Lower taxes. People are happy. I'm also curious to know at the end of the day if this is going to maybe make West Virginia grow a little bit. Because I guess West Virginia is one of the poorer states in the nation. But I'm just curious because, I mean, are people willing to make the drive from West Virginia to Arlington? I don't know. But it's still an interesting move to see at the end of the day because Boeing is leaving Chicago after being there for at least 20 years. So at the end of the day, it's I think it's a smart move because now they can be closer. They can actually get better communication most likely too because that has been a problem that they had mentioned in their, earn, their latest earnings report that they were having trouble with renewing their licenses. So being closer to the US Capitol might be a good move for Boeing at the end because they're probably get communication done faster. And that's going to be good for Boeing because potentially that could mean Boeing stock could rebound and go back to its heydays of greatness. But that's just an opinion currently. So last thing we need to talk about, U.S. City, U.S. Senate committee passes antitrust bill pressuring OPEC. Now, I don't get how the Senate can do this. OPEC is not part of the United States, but let's find out. A U.S. City committee passed a bill on Thursday that could expose the organization of petroleum exporting countries and partners to lawsuits for colluding on boosting crude oil prices. The no oil producing or exporting cartels, uh, as they call it as NOPEC, I guess, bill sponsored by senators including Republican Chuck Grassley and Democrat Amy Klobuchar passed 17 to 4 in the Senate Judiciary Committee. White House spokesman Jen uh, Pasaki said that the administration has concerns about the potential implications and unintended consequences of legislation, particularly amid the Ukraine crisis. She said the White House is still studying the bill. Versions of the le- versions of this legislation have failed in Congress for more than two decades, but lawmakers are increasingly worried about rising inflation, driven in part by prices of U.S. gasoline, which briefly hit a record above four dollars and thirty cents a gallon this spring. If you're in California, you're looking at at least 550, almost 570, if I'm not mistaken, in some parts. Quote, I believe that a free and competitive markets are better for consumers than markets controlled by a cartel of state-owned oil companies. Competition is the very basis of our economic system, Klobuchar said. NOPEC would change U.S. antitrust law to revoke the sovereignty immunity that has long protected OPEC and its national oil companies from lawsuits. The bill must pass full Senate and House and must be signed by President Joe Biden to become law. If passed, the U.S. Attorney General would gain the ability to sue OPEC or its members such as Saudi Arabia in federal court. Other producers like Russia, which works with OPEC in a wider group known as OPEC Plus to withhold output, could be sued. Saudi Arabia and other OPEC productions have rebuffled requests by the United States and other consuming countries to boost oil productions beyond gradual amounts, even as oil consumption recovers from COVID-19 pandemic and Russia's supply falls after its invasion of Ukraine. Okay, so this is what I want to know. This bill seems like a huge waste of time. I mean, 
I don't see how OPEC's going to like come to United States and be able to go to a trial. I don't see that happening personally. It just seems like political rhetoric, I guess, at the end of the day, because then can someone explain this to me then? Berkshire buys more Occidental shares, boost stakes by 15.2%. Okay. They keep telling us that they, they're concerned about the prices of oil and inflation. In fact, there's a book, and I might need to pull this up eventually, but there's a book I read a few years ago that said when inflation goes up, oil prices go up. And I need to find that book because I that this book is like almost perfect for our time currently of what's happening. But this article from Berkshire says, Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway Inc. has bought another 5.9 million shares of Occidental Petroleum Corp boosting its stake in the oil company to about 15.2%. The purchase were made on Monday and Tuesday and cost about $336 million. Berkshire said in a regulatory filing on Wednesday night. Following the purchase, Berkshire owned 142.3 million Occidental shares worth about $8.8 billion. Shares of Occidental rose as much as 4.7% to 64.49, their highest since April of 2019. In Thursday morning training, uh, trading, as broader stock indexes declined. Their share price has more than doubled this year, benefiting from Berkshire's purchase from rising oil prices following Russia's invasion of Ukraine. At a Berkshire's annual meeting on April 30th, Buffett Buffett said he bought some Occidental shares from February 28th to March 16th. After reviewing an analysis presentation, he also expressed confidence in Chief Executive Vicky Holub included her plan to reduce debt. She says she doesn't know the price of oil next year. Nobody does, Buffett said. But we decided it made sense. And two weeks later, we're, uh, we had 14%. Here's the other thing, too, that no one's talking about. Warren Buffett also just increased his uh, position in Chevron as well. Okay, Energy, uh, like it says here, Berkshire Hathaway added to its Chevron. And this is from CNBC News, by the way. Um, added to its Chevron bet significantly during the first quarter, making the energy stock the uh, conglomerate's fourth biggest equity holding. The Oracle of Omaha Chevron investment was worth $25.9 billion at the end of March. The company's first quarter filing showed a big jump from a value of $4.5 billion at the end of 2021. Shares of Chevron have rallied more than 30% this year on the back of... um, surging oil prices, but Berkshire's position has increased fivefold, reflecting Buffett's buying. Energy has been a standout winner this year with the S&P 500 energy sectors up 35% compared to a broader benchmark 13% loss to date. Many oil and gas companies are good income generators offering attractive dividends. The energy sector yield is 4.7% compared to the S&P 500's 1.5% dividend yield. Chevron pays a 3.6% dividend. Okay, I'm not going to get into farther in the CNBC article because it talks about um, Occidental Petroleum. But oil is going to potentially continue to do well. And that book I had just mentioned earlier, it had mentioned too that when you continue to have inflation, the oil in the ground and the land that the oil is on becomes more valuable. Hence why potentially one reason why oil stocks are doing well. Obviously, there's other issues, too, that are facing right now, like the war with Russia and Ukraine. And there's also a huge demand for oil because, let's face it, the world was pretty much locked up for a a year at least. And there's a demand for travel in a way. So it's a supply and demand issue as well. But at the end of the day, it it just doesn't like 
I read an article that said Chevron and Exxon combined, I believe, made $12 billion last quarter. Okay. Oil companies are making a lot of money. Elon Musk even said when the war with uh, Russia and Ukraine started that we should be producing more oil. And we've also talked about, too, how President Biden had to issue more federal land in a past podcast to drill more on land just to make oil prices go down. Okay, I don't know 100% if under President Trump, if we were oil independent. Okay, This podcast wasn't around when it started. I looked at the markets here and there, but it seemed like we were oil independent during Trump's presidency. This is not a political podcast at the end of the day. It's just making some observations currently right now. I don't know if we're currently in energy independence. That doesn't seem like it. And maybe we weren't under Trump. Who knows? But oil companies are making a lot of money currently. And why they're making a lot of money is most likely supply and demand. I mean, when oil per barrel is hitting at least 100 and plus, there's some serious money to be made in oil. Because let's look at this last article before we end today's podcast. EOG Resources beats profit expectations, raises dividend on soaring oil prices. U.S. shale producer EOG Inc.'s first quarter profit beat Wall Street's estimates, and it raised its dividend as the Ukraine crisis pushed oil prices to multiple year highs. The company declared a special dividend of $1.80 per share, up from $1 per share after its quarterly profit more than doubled. It doubled. Holy crap. Oil producers have benefited as crude prices surged to levels not seen since 2008 after Western countries slapped sanctions on major exporter Russia in response to its invasion of Ukraine, worsening the supply crunch. EOG saw its average crude price jump from 65% during the reported quarter to $96 a barrel. Quote, despite challenges from rising inflation and supply chain constraints, since we announced our 2022 plan at the start of the year, we remain well positioned to deliver within our production and cap- uh, capital expenditure targets, Chief Executive Officer Ezra Yakob said. EOG first total crude uh, volumes was 883,300 barrels of oil equivalent per day, up from 70, 778,900 barrels. Um, barrels per day a year earlier. <clears throat> the the Houston, Texas-based company adjusted income rose from $2.3 billion to $4 per share in the quarter ended March 30th from $946 million or $1.62 a share a year ago. Okay. Oil's just crazy right now. And this and, and they are right. This is almost like 2008 all over again. I remember in 2008, I remember being with my friends, going to the beach, having a fun day, coming home and having to watch my friend fill up his gas in his car and it cost him $100. That I believe was either 2008 or 2009. I can't remember. I remember it was somewhere in that time frame when oil was insane, okay? It's almost like 2008 is happening all over again with oil. And who knows how long this oil streak is going to continue, But the demand is there. The demand is really, really heavy right now. And I'm not saying to invest in oil. I mean, you still need to talk to your own professional advisors, but it's insane right now how oil is just like, it's making this much money currently right now. Chevron Exxon together, I believe, like I said, made $12 billion last quarter, $12 billion. And now we're looking at, at, um, what's it, EOG? And they doubled, they doubled. Are you kidding me? 
what's going to happen soon? We're going to have a huge energy crisis, in my opinion, soon. Oil is going to, and, and if we have this energy crisis, oil is potentially going to keep getting higher. It's insane just what's happening in general with oil right now. We have a huge energy problem. Suing OPEC is not the answer. I guess in a way we need to drill more, but who knows if that's going to happen because people are going to say, well, we need alternative energies. That's true. We can use geothermal, geothermal, maybe more uh, sunlight energy or I guess solar energy as it's called, wind farms. But at the end of the day, oil right now is just insane. It's, I, I don't even know what to think about this anymore. I, I just cannot believe it. I mean, if Warren Buffett's buying all this oil, stocks in general, and the United States is trying to show that it's trying to do everything in its power to make OPEC get sued, in my opinion, that bill's not going to pass. It's going to die. There's no way. You, you, you're you not going to convince a con- an oil company that I believe is not currently in the United States drilling to come to the United States at the end of the day. They're the mafia. They control oil. So to me, it seems like a waste of time, but politicians are going to do what they want to do at the end of the day. So, but oil though, just keep an eye out for it. If, if they keep doubling, it's going to be insane. So, but that's everything for today, guys. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you have enjoyed, I ask that you please like and subscribe to this podcast as every like and subscription that we get can help grow this podcast so we can be able to keep talking about these news events be able to get the information out to people who want to know what's happening in the market at times. That being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Thank you and goodbye.